This is a journey into sound. Are you ready? Let's go. Evan Mack. Miss Fat Booty Radio is a terrific radio station on Pandora, by the way. <laughs> Ross Reed. What the hell are you doing wearing jeans and Timberlands on hey, a Tim's. boat? This is the Mac and Reed Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Podcast right here on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you stream us. Remember to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. You can follow us on social media. You can follow me at 311Mac. You can follow Ross at Ross Reed. Don't forget to follow the page on Instagram at Mac and Reed Podcast. Hello, Ross. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing great. Uh, you know, it's, it's bittersweet, though, going into this weekend as we have only three football games left in the year for the NFL. We have the NFC Championship, AFC Championship, and the Super Bowl. So, a little sad, but we, we got plenty of basketball to look forward to as the Bulls are on a three-game winning streak, too. So, we're going to talk about a lot on the podcast today, preview that AFC, NFC Championship for sure as well as look ahead to our predictions for the Super Bowl, who comes out on top, talk about some off-season storylines already, talk about the Bears promoting a new defensive coordinator after Chuck Pagano retired, and again, touching on the Bulls and their recent success and a little bit of NBA news. We say goodbye to some legends uh, one in baseball, one in broadcasting, later in the podcast as well. We'll talk about Cuddy and Cavallari versus Bernie's been memed. Surprises along the way. A ton to look forward to, a ton to talk about. Rossi excited for these uh, AFC and NFC championship games. I think uh, excited would be an understatement. This would be largely what we predicted. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm excited. That was, uh, we got two, we got four good football teams left and two really good football games. Oh, yes. And um, I I, I think that we've got some clear favorites in these games, Mm -hmm. but I think um, if anybody is surprised that um, either either of the four teams will win, I think that that they would be being being stupid. I think uh, both the Bills and the Bucks have a really, really good shot in winning these football games tomorrow. It's any given Sunday for a reason, and starting with the NFC Championship, we have... The Green Bay Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a tale of two already pretty legendary quarterbacks and Aaron not too far behind 43-year-old Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady just coming off beating one of his old rivals and Drew Brees. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, what he's been doing every year throughout the playoffs is, is really impressive. They're always there. Certainly, he wants to avenge his NFC Championship loss to the 49ers from last year. And... Certainly starting with the quarterbacks, this goes to both legacies. You think that it certainly goes to the performance of both quarterbacks will set the tone. And certainly even though Green Bay, what you you were alluding to, Ross, is pretty heavily favored, I think, because of the way they've been able to hang, you know, 30 some points a game on these uh, opponents every week. That still Tom Brady, you saw against New Orleans he was a couple drop passes away from going over 300 yards, having a few touchdowns as opposed to just a couple and having a, a solid performance overall. He's been here so many times before. It's the first time he's been playing in the NFC in this conference, but one for one as far as going to 
the conference championship game. And he has, again, going back to the matchup and how these teams match up, certainly they have as many weapons on their side of the ball, and talking about Tampa Bay here, as Green Bay does on their side. You have Mike Evans, who's been playing great, Antonio Brown, a wild card, Gronk is still in there. Uh, Then the running game's been really impressive too, and that was a big part of beating the Saints last week for them, having Ronald Jones and, and spelling Ronald Jones with Leonard Fournette as well. And then the Packers, certainly Aaron Jones has been a force. Uh, he's been a great running back for them. And then Devontae Adams, the best wide receiver in the league, arguably, you know, going up toe-to-toe with the likes of Stefan Diggs and a bunch of other candidates in there. But he, that connection between him and Rodgers has been really impressive. And then Rodgers makes studs out of all these guys like Robert Tunyon and and Marquez Valdez-Scantling you have to keep an eye on. And the defense has been a b- big story for sure. Um, and the defense to that end for the Bucks will certainly be a big storyline to watch going into this 2 o'clock game uh, for the NFC Championship and a trip to the Super Bowl. As you got guys like Dominican Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul and, and kind of a a ragtag group of guys who are journeymen and trying to almost ride Tom Brady's coattails onto a Super Bowl here, a Super Bowl berth. On paper, it looks really good. What do you think of this matchup? What stands out to you, Ross? To me, it's, you know, everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers, but you're going to have to slow down Aaron Jones if you want to slow down the Green Bay Packers. And I thought it was really significant that the Bucs are able to get uh, Vita Vea back um, after – you know, he, he's been injured since that Bears game, since that, uh, that Thursday night Bears game. I think it was like week four, maybe. Um, so that's a huge um, guy to plug in for the Bucks because if he can kind of help slow down the rushing game up the middle, then we saw that first matchup, Bucks versus Packers, Tal Bowles is going to bring the heat against Aaron Rodgers. He really struggled to get the ball out of his hands quickly to his, you know, great wide receivers and make big plays. Um, so, so that's a big one to me. For from the Buck side of things, can they not make the stupid penalties and mistakes that they've done um, throughout the season that have cost them football games and almost cost them last week too? I, I think before um, what's the young man's name, the the kick returner for the Saints, Deontay Lewis or something like that. Um, before he left the game with an injury, I mean he had broke two big special yeah. teams plays and it just it, it, it was just bad it, it, and they've kind of played that kind of sloppy brand of football all season very unlike what tom brady's used to from his bill belichick new england days if the bucks can clean it up and they can move the football with fournette and they can get the ball out of brady's hands quickly get it to mike evans get it to chris godwin who has to hang on to the football uh, get it to Cameron Bray and Gronkowski. Antonio Brown is not playing tomorrow. That's going to be a loss for them. But, yeah. you know, Scotty Miller will be in there and he'll be able to step up. Um, then they can absolutely win this football game. But to me, it's going to be the Bucks defense, um, in particular, Vita VA up the middle. And they've got some outstanding white uh, um, linebackers in, in, uh, in Devin White and, uh, and Levante David. If those two guys are able to shut down Green Bay's running game and, and make life a living hell for Aaron Rodgers, then, then they can win the game. If not, Aaron Rodgers is going to do this thing with Devontae Adams, and, you know, this could get ugly. It could get ugly, certainly. But, yeah, you you going back to the Tampa Bay side of things, and you mentioned um, a couple linebackers there that had really good games against the Saints and forced some turnovers. That was really important. 
trying to make Aaron Rodgers make mistakes, trying to force him into mistakes will certainly be big for momentum for the Bucks, but it's about slowing down Aaron Rodgers for sure and and taking away that run game, which I think the Bucks did a pretty good job of against the Saints when you have an all-pro running back like Alvin Kamara. You would think, and Tom Brady and that team hopes that they can do that, and you hope that that defense uh, can slow down Aaron Rodgers at least a bit because he's coming off this MVP season. He has over a four to one interception ratio, which is just incredible. He's very, he had a couple that could have been um, intercepted in that divisional game, but you know, sometimes it'd be like that. And, you know, talking about who would win this game, it certainly looks like green Bay should be favored, but look at anything as possible. Look at that NFC championship last year, where you thought that green Bay would probably be favored to go on to the Super Bowl um, against 49ers. So it's tough. And and I think going back to the legacy for both these quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, it comes down to him probably wanting this more than Tom Brady. And now that's not to take anything away from Tom Brady. Tom Brady is adding to his legacy with a new team in a new conference. Um, and, you know, all the accolades in this certainly continues to vault him into that greatest of all time conversation. But I think Rodgers is sick of hearing that he's the greatest uh, quarterback without all the rings and all the accolades, like putting an Eli Manning ahead of him or putting Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, guys like that who have had lesser seasons and done, uh, you know, had better rounded teams around him. I feel like Rodgers has been like LeBron when LeBron was with the Cavs team that just didn't have shit around him. He just somehow wills his offenses to score more points than the other teams. And he is, he is just really iconic for that. And, and how uh, he is able to make sure that he doesn't make the big mistakes to put his team on top. So who do you think wins tomorrow? Oof. You know, my heart is always with, with Tom Brady. I hate betting against Tom Brady, but um, I do think that Aaron Rodgers is so locked in right now. Um, probably the most locked in we've ever seen him. Uh, since the season he did win his Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to roll with the Packers on this one in a very close football game. Um, it's about a three-point spread. Um, yeah. But I, I'm not counting the Bucks out at all. I, I think that they can win this football game. I think they're going into this game um, kind of playing with house money. They got a 43-year-old quarterback, like, like you said. Um, this is not supposed to happen. Tom Brady is like the only one on this team that has playoff experience. All these guys here have never done this before. And you can kind of tell they're just kind of playing loose and fun. And, and they feel like they can beat this team. They, they did it already in the regular season. So right. um, I'm, I'm certainly not counting the bucks out, but I'm going to pick the Packers uh, to win this game. Yeah. I, I hate to conform, but I'm also taking the Packers and you know, it, it's like you mentioned that these teams have met earlier in the year. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that tape and a lot to be said that, you know, Matt LaFleur and this coaching staff still has some tricks up their sleeves and they know how to get the best of Tom Brady and this Bucks team, especially at home in in Lambeau. I know there won't be, it won't be packed like it usually is in the frozen tundra, but you got to figure that Aaron Rodgers alone is the one who continues to will this team into a Super Bowl berth and, and credit to Matt LaFleur and credit to this defense who has stepped up and, and certainly took some pressure off Aaron Rodgers and, and given him the ability to just go out there and do his thing. So moving on to the AFC championship, we got the Bills and Chiefs and 
you know, it looked like a little more up in the air as far as who would win this game until we got the news. And this is still, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Again, it should be mentioned. But Pat Mahomes getting hurt against the Browns, going out with a concussion, looked like he tweaked his ankle as well. So he had to clear concussion protocol this week, and it looked like it might be iffy if he plays or not, in which case anything is possible. Get Chad Henney in there, but we've seen enough of him. We're not here to watch Chad Henney in the AFC Championship against Josh Allen and the Bills. So we got the news that Pat Mahomes has been cleared. Uh, in addition, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he is cleared as well. Big rookie running back for the Chiefs. And we get this AFC Championship matchup that pits really some great young quarterbacks against each other. Two quarterbacks who can run, two quarterbacks that have a lot of weapons around them. Uh, Bills, you might give the edge in defense, um, but that defense certainly for the Bills can get after Mahomes and company. And now Josh Allen, who's been riding this wave and, and has Stefan Diggs has a number one re- receiver, has a great coach in Sean McDermott. They're really poised to knock off the Chiefs, the, the reigning AFC champs, and, and prevent them from going back to um, another Super Bowl, prevent them from going to back-to-back Super Bowls. This would be... Closer, you might say, but who knows? Uh, if Pat Mahomes didn't leave that game, it could have been a blowout in the second half. You know how he gets and, and the weapons around him. I think it was big to not have Clyde Edwards Hilaire, even though there are some good running backs over there. There's Le'Veon Bell, of course, who who spelled Hilaire. But going back to the weapons, you'd probably give the edge to Tyreek Hill. You'd probably give the edge to Travis Kelsey. And and the coaching of Andy Reid, too, and the balls that he has, even with a backup quarterback, to seal the game on a fourth down um, with just a touchdown lead in that uh, AFC divisional game that they played in against the Browns. This should be a good one. What do you expect out of this game, Ross? Um, I, You know, again, another game that's a complete toss-up to me. It, 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 to me, it, it kind of relies on the health of Pat Mahomes. I'm pretty sure he'll be fine um, – from the head standpoint, it looked like he got choked out last week. He didn't really hit his head on the ground. He did look like um, he got choked out. Yeah. But getting a choke out is still a form of concussion. So right. he had to go through the concussion protocols and, and get cleared and whatnot. And I am glad that he's playing tomorrow because this game wouldn't feel right with Chad Henney in the game at quarterback. For sure. um, but I've been on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon for weeks. I have literally put my money on the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. Um, because I think that they're the only team uh, in the AFC that can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they have the offensive firepower to do it. I think they have the defensive weapons to do it. And the Chiefs have been sneaky. They've been good this year, obviously. They're 15-1. Um, and then they won their playoff game last week. But um, when you look at the teams that have won games by 10 points or more, you would think it's the Kansas City Chiefs that lead that, and they haven't done it all year. It's been the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have been the one that have been blowing out teams, and the Chiefs are again kind of letting teams hang around and letting teams hang in there, even against bad teams. Even last week, if that ball doesn't get fumbled through the end zone, that's a really bad spot for the Kansas City Chiefs, especially with Chad hitting in the game. They got very lucky there. Credit to Andy Reid. He has some big balls. He called some some outstanding plays. The the scramble for Chad Henney was ballsy. The um the 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 fourth down play to steal the game, the throw to Tyreek Hill, great play call there. But um as I circle back to Pat Mahomes, I think people 
people have been talking about his head so much this week that they forgot the fact that he injured his toe early in that game. And right. he was gimpy to begin with, and his throws were off. Like, And that just doesn't heal to me in a week. If that toe somehow comes up again uh, tomorrow against the Buffalo Bills, there's no way they're going to be able to slow down Josh Allen in that offense and, and be able to keep up with them. They need Pat Mahomes right in that game. And I don't know if he's right. And, and even if he was right, I just feel like, man, Buffalo and, and Josh Allen, they're on a mission right now. And, and that Bills Mafia and that fan base, and I know they've got a lot a history of, of being disappointed. Um, four straight Super Bowls, and they, they lost all four. But – uh, I, I like the way this Buffalo team is playing right now. I like the confidence they have. Brian Dabble probably should have gotten a head coaching job, uh, but the fact that they get to keep him for at least one more year is what it looks like is uh, is outstanding, and, and it will only help Josh Allen further ascend to superstar status. But um, I, I, I edge. I, I got the Buffalo Bills here in an edge over the over the Chiefs. Of course you do. As you said, you got uh, some rooted interest there for sure. It sure. looks like it might be. Rainy might be in the 40s at Arrowhead and on paper too, Ross, you know, you see that the Bills are one of those few teams that outscore the the Chiefs by, you know, a point or so. And then looking at the defense too, they've been allowing 13 and a half points a game. They've been uh, on their shit, man. I mean, they've been really impressive to shut down some some good defenses too. Look at Baltimore, how they were able to shut them down. Certainly it was, it was a close game against Phillip rivers and the Colts just looking at the playoffs. But before that, in the regular season, they were coming off 48 point games, 38 points, 56 to end the, the season against Miami. Uh, it's like you said, they have the better chance than any other AFC team to probably dethrone the AFC champs in the chiefs. And that health of Pat Mahomes is so important to keep an eye on. Like the concussion is one thing. I figured that he would, come right back as it wasn't it didn't look like a, a bad concussion I know there are there's no such thing as as a good concussion but also it just didn't look like it would be anything that would be keeping him out the toe certainly affecting Pat Mahomes mobility you saw how he was able to just walk into the end zone in the first score of the AFC divisional game last week um, when you take away that mobility that takes away a lot of Andy Reid's play calling and, and certainly by the goal line um, this Chiefs defense it's questionable but still even having said all that, rolling with the Chiefs, uh, and we're looking at a potential Mahomes and Rodgers All-State Super Bowl. It looks like that's something that they predicted. But keep an eye on these injuries, too. I, I think certainly, you know, Sammy Watkins, if he can play, that that's going to be important for, to have as many weapons as possible for Pat Mahomes. And and Mahomes, if he re-injures that toe during the game, do we see Chad Henney? Who knows what happens? And And Josh Allen... We're seeing another great young quarterback come up here. So don't sleep on these bills and circle the wagons if you're Ross, I guess. Yeah, I think I think the running factor of both quarterbacks is going to be huge tomorrow. Can Pat Mahomes scramble and sure. get those little seven, eight yards that he like seems to always get on third down when there's nothing there and just keep a drive going right. and just absolutely break a defense? And for me, Josh Allen has to run the football tomorrow. He has to be that that Cam Newton kind of like vibe that he tends to give off, like that big physical, like you said, it's going to be rainy. It's going to be kind of in the forties and it just sucks to try and tackle that guy. And if he gets about 60, 70 yards on the ground running and he gets a rushing touchdown to go, you know, with, with the throws uh, to Diggs and, and to the tight end Knox and to um, Cole Beasley, who made a pro bowl this year, um, then it, it could be a long day for, for the Kansas City Chiefs in that defense. 
Um, sure. I like to see some points in this game. I hope that we can get some points to toss up in this game. If you're a fan duel parlay better, um, I'd, I'd probably throw some parlays in there with all the wide receivers in this game to, to get some, some touches, hit the overs on their yards and get a couple touchdowns. There you go. Yeah, going back to Mahomes, can he create those throws outside of the pocket? Can he extend plays when he is kind of hobbled by that toe? And then Josh Allen, he's, he's going to get it. I would definitely to the betting betting side of things. You, you'd be uh, it'd be a safe bet to see him getting the end zone on his feet too, uh, opening up the playbook a little bit there. Let's move on, Ross, to other NFL offseason headlines. To the losers that we're not talking about in January late like this. Uh, we'll start with Philip Rivers calling it a season, and he's been to a Pro Bowl eight times, and he, you know, really looking at his stats, it, the whole debate this week following his the announcement of his retirement is, is he a Hall of Famer? And you look at Dan Fouts being in there, and you look at his passing yards and the rankings overall and how he's in the top ten. Um, in the NFL quarterback rankings for uh, passing yards, touchdowns, all these accolades for sure, and and went to some AFC Championship games and had some some great years. Certainly more with the Chargers than this last year with the Colts. Uh, the goat with like eight kids, of course, announcing his retirement for sure. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer, Ross? I do think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, I think he has the statistics to back it up. He's got multiple playoff appearances. Not every Hall of Famer wins Super Bowls. I mean, we've seen Dan Marino. You talked about Dan Fouts. Um, and, you know, I, you know, he's, he's going to constantly be compared to uh, the guy he was traded for, which was Eli Manning. They came out in the same draft. That was when Eli refused to go to San Diego and forced his way to, to New York. And, you know, Phillip's, Phillip lasted longer than Eli. They have very comparable stats. Um, Eli just went on two great heaters and, and threw some some you know miraculous throws to David Tyree and Mario Manningham to get him two Super Bowls. But you know if, if those two throws don't happen, does does Eli get into the, to the to the Hall of Fame too? And I think you know, Eli's a Hall of Famer too. I, I think people find this debate and they and they get to this debate. Was Philip Rivers a damn good football player? Yes. Was he one of the elite quarterbacks for a long time? Yes, he was. So he belongs in the Hall of Fame. You know, yeah. we're going to put Drew Brees in the Hall of Fame too. And, and yes, Drew Brees has better stats than Philip Rivers. Um, but Drew Brees only has one ring. So, yeah. you know, rings are not always the – and Terry Bradshaw, to me, is one of the worst Hall of Fame quarterbacks statistically. <laughs> yeah. And he's got like five rings. Right. You know, so, you know, you, you can't – rings are not the, the end-all, be-all, uh, especially for quarterbacks. Just like wins should not be a quarterback stat. There's 52 other guys on the roster. A hundred percent. It's a team sport. And Philip Rivers looking at his accolades and, and outside of Super Bowl appearances and rings, rather, um, you know, he's fifth in passing yards and touchdowns. He's second all time in consecutive regular season starts by a quarterback, which is just an unbelievable stat in itself. He was such a good trash talker. The, the times when he would go at it with Jay Cutler um, and he wouldn't curse. It was just really funny. He has nine kids, by the way. Uh, just just a great competitor real fun to watch his facial expressions i mean he's he's been a gift and memed so many times um well i'll miss, I'll miss seeing him play yeah i'm missing him play too i know he's gonna go be the um head coach right now of a high school football team in alabama that was his dream but, yeah. yeah but how does espn not call him and offer 
$10 million a year to be in the Monday Night Football booth. Oh, I mean, he would be electric in that booth. And he would, I mean, he's a quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He sees things that other people can't see. I, I would swap out Greasy and, and put uh, Rivers in there in a heartbeat. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot more emotion, a lot more charisma than, mm-hmm. than Greasy for sure. I would love to see that. Um, and on to another quarterback who I will miss seeing play if indeed this is true, but it was broke during the game against Tampa Bay that Saints quarterback Drew Brees likely played his last game losing in pretty poor fashion to Tom Brady where he couldn't even throw over 20 yards. He just looked done, not looking like the Hall of Famer that he is likely to be. It's a sad way to go out, but rarely do you get to retire on top if this is it for Drew Brees. Um, a guy who, you know, again, talking about Hall of Fame accolades, like if he can get in or not, certainly he gets in just, I feel like, because of that unbelievable season where following Katrina, he he got the Saints to the Super Bowl and then he won MVP. He's a two-time Offensive Player of the Year. We know what he did off the field Uh, for Katrina and for the city of New Orleans. He's certainly a legend there. He's a 13-time pro bowler. Um, You know, statistically, he's right 1A, 1B with with Tom Brady and and his passing yards and touchdowns. And for a guy who the big knock was was a short guy for being barely six feet with cleats on, he really just played his ass off. and, And you couldn't, you really couldn't ask for a better competitor when you talk about this season, especially too, going into his forties, the guy had a collapsed lung and it looked like that was the last game he was going to potentially play in for sure. A hall of famer, but I'll certainly miss him play. Uh, and especially with, with the saints team that looked like they, they probably got robbed in the recent years too. You go back to that Rams game where the Rams were able to go to the super bowl instead of the saints, who knows what would have happened if that missed call and that pass interference call. And it's tough to see for Drew Brees. You think it's the end? I absolutely think it's the end. I, I thought it was really close to being the end last year. Um, and since then, he's, you know, you know, quite practically, he's quite frankly, he's looked worse. You know, he, he sure. didn't look great all year. He battled through the injuries. Um, and but, you know, credit to him. But, you know, remember, I, I think people forget. You know, Tom Brady, in comparison, is like 6'4", 225 pounds. Like Tom Brady sure. is a big dude. Drew Brees is like 5'11", 6 feet tall if he's lucky, probably about 190 pounds. Like for the fact that he was able to last this long uh, in the NFL, playing that position, trying to push the ball down the field at that size um, is a credit to him and a credit to how he's uh, taken care of his body over the years. But at the end, like it always does, his body betrayed him. And, you know, the the ribs thing was a factor. Um, The arm strength was was – uh, down significantly over the years. He couldn't push the ball down the field anymore. And, uh, you know, it's time for him to walk away. And it's going to be interesting to see how this Saints team retools. They have Taysom Hill on the contract. Is he an every-down quarterback? You know, I don't know. They have yeah. Jameis Winston there, but Jameis was on a one-year deal. Does Jameis decide to re-up with Sean Payton, or does he uh, look for other options anywhere? But, you know, Drew Brees will be a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he sits at the top on all the career quarterback statistics. If Tom Brady comes back next year, Tom Brady obviously will pass him up. Um, but he, you know, what he did for um, the city of New Orleans post uh, Katrina, like you said, was amazing. Um, he that team was the laughing stock in the NFL. Nobody would go to the Super Bowl to Superdome to watch uh, the Saints, and they turned it into the 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 best ticket in town. And also credit to him for, I think a lot of people forget. 
originally drafted, comes out of Purdue, originally drafted by the San Diego Chargers, um, and had a really bad shoulder injury and was kind of left for dead. The, the Chargers let him go. They they drafted Philip Rivers. Yeah. They said goodbye, Drew Brees. And um, you know, he he could have went to Miami when Nick Saban was head coach of the of the Dolphins. And the, the upper management of the Dolphins said, no, Nick Saban, we don't want this guy because we don't trust him with his shoulder. And a rookie head coach is Sean Payton, who was the offensive coordinator at the time for the Giants, I believe, Giants or the Cowboys. And I, I know he's from the Bill Parcells tree. Yeah. Um, and Sean Payton comes in and, and takes a chance on Drew Brees. And both guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame because of it. So um, an outstanding career. And it's just crazy now to see all of all of these these quarterbacks that we all grew up with start to just slowly, yeah. you know, like just get, get, get knocked off and, and, and go off and ride off to the sunset. And now it's, we feel like we're just left with Roethlisberger, Brady and Rogers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we get the usher in of the new quarterback, the Lamar Jackson's Kyler Murray's Josh Allen's of the world. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It, it's hard to imagine the NFL without uh, those quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and, uh, Roethlisberger, as you mentioned, and certainly Breeze, tough as nails, like you talked about, to to come off his shoulders surgery like that that could have ended his career and, and a stint with the Chargers and then come back and uh, find a, a new legacy with the Saints and what he did with New Orleans will always be legendary for sure. Um, now it's time for him to do something different. I think if he wants to coach, if he wants to go into broadcasting, he can do any of that. Certainly spend time with his family. And the moment between him and Tom Brady was, was just huge, too, to see those guys who are 1-2 in, in rankings and accolades and all that. Um, when it's become, they ushered in that really pass-happy uh, league and and sport, I think, with the NFL and how it's evolved over the past years. Really impressive career, and it's certainly time to step away. And on the note of quarterbacks, this has been news for a couple weeks, Ross. But, oh boy, Deshaun Watson ain't happy. And the Texans, as many veterans of the Texans would say, um, you know, they, they kind of just don't deliver for these athletes who can continually put their all out there and leave it all out on the field. And the organization's just not done a lot to retain Deshaun Watson besides, of course, giving him a lot of money. But then you haven't really built the team around him. They said that they would involve him in the head coaching search, which they reneged on. And it doesn't look like he will be called upon to do that. And he wants out of out of Houston at this point. And I think for good reason, before he really starts to sink his prime years into this organization that continues to... I think they draft well to some extents, and, and then they look competitive for a little bit, but the organization certainly has been under duress and, and, and under a microscope for not building around a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, wasting some good years. We saw J.J. D- Watt in their last game just apologize to Deshaun Watson. He was mic'd up for it, and he's like, I'm sorry, man, we wasted a perfectly good year for you. And And Watson, I think that might have been one of those nails in the coffin where he's like, God, I got to do something about this. I got to force my way out. What do you think happens with Watson? I know it's super early on in the offseason, but do you think he finds his way out? And, and where do you think he goes? 
I think you absolutely have to trade him I, I, because I don't think he wants to come back there. And I've always been of the mindset if a if a star athlete doesn't want to be a part of your football or, or just a, a part of your organization, uh, I said football, but it translates to any sport as we've seen, uh, you know, even James Harden recently forced his way out of Houston. Uh, you got to get him out of there and you got to get him out of there while finding the best deal for yourself. Um, Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback in the NFL right now. He's a top five quarterback, he led the league in passing yards this year. Um, he's a dynamic player. This Houston team was just in the playoffs last year. I know a lot of people were like, this Houston team is bad, but they were, they were kind of decent last year. They made a ton of mistakes. They let Bill O'Brien um, run this franchise into the ground and they alienated their best player. And now he has to go where he goes it's got a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Miami is probably the front runner because they have the picks and they got the capital to do it. The Jets could take a swing at him if they want to. San Francisco 49ers can get involved if they want to. The Chicago Bears can get involved if they want to. Absolutely. Um, you know, even somebody like the Detroit Lions can get involved if they want to cut ties with Matthew Stafford. A lot of people out there that are going to be lined up to to get to Sean Watson. The thing is, you're going to have to give up probably at least three first round draft picks. If you want to get Deshaun Watson on your football team, which, you know, listen again, top five player, that's kind of a bargain. Yeah. Bears gave up two first round picks to get uh, Khalil Mack. The, the Seahawks gave up two first round picks to get Jamal Adams and he's a safety. So, you know, from, from the exact same draft. So I, I, I think that there are going to be a lot of people that are in that market. Miami makes the most sense. But, you know, maybe Miami believes that, that Tua is their guy and they don't want to give up on him. And then maybe the Jets are like, you know, we'll take uh, Justin Fields on a rookie deal, you know, over yeah. over Deshaun Watson. That leaves teams like the Bears to get involved or the 49ers. You know, I know Kyle Shanahan will love to have him on that team as they look to part ways with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, this offseason. But I will say this. Deshaun Watson is going to have a very huge voice in where he goes. He's got a full no trade clause. Right. Um, so he can deny any deal. So whichever team gets to Sean Watson, it's because he wanted to go to that football team. And from a local standpoint, you just have to hope that, um, you know, Deshaun uh, uh, can put aside the differences of, of Ryan Pace, not even talking to him pre-draft time, um, has a good relationship with, with Matt Nagy. Um, you know, if the Bears are able to obviously bring back a, a guy like Allen Robinson, that helps out a ton. Yeah. Um, because I do think that the Bears, uh, who were eight and eight this year, that's a twelve and four football team with Deshaun Watson. You know, I, I'm sorry to all the Trubisky truthers out there, but he's just a significantly better quarterback oh, yes. than Mitchell Trubisky. You got to stop lying to yourself on this kind of uh, on this kind of conversation. So I think it would be stupid if, if Ryan Pace doesn't do anything or everything he can to get involved. The key piece, I tweeted this out this weekend, the Sean Watson is um, he, he his, his cap hit this year is only worth $10 million. That's a, that's a strong side. That's a strong side linebacker. That's a cheap bargain. Yeah. So you can kind of go all in with Deshaun Watson in 2021. If it doesn't work out, you can blow it up and get rid of some guys like Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller, uh, some other, some other big name guys and kind of retool rebuild. But guess what? You still have Deshaun Watson, which means you're always going to be in the hunt for something. So it, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's a quarterback-driven league. We know this. And, and look at the, the four teams that are left alone in Rodgers and Brady and Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. And Pat Mahomes in the same draft class as Mitchell Trubisky, the GOAT, and uh, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson 
as you said, we've seen it repeatedly here in Chicago that he just looks pound for pound like that better quarterback and his mobility and his deep balls and and his just quarterback intelligence, you know, the quarterback IQ, I guess you would call it that. You could see the Jets maybe make a play. Maybe they want to get rid of Sam Darnold and maybe they want Watson over there. You could see the 49ers doing that as well and, and package some big name guys to try to get Watson over there. But you look at what the Bears could do and potentially and how the Bears are set up. If you take Mitch Trubisky out of the situation and slide into Sean Watson, it's like you said, their record improves immediately. Uh, they're that much more competitive with with a defense that just had to continually recover from three and outs and from a poor performing offense time and time again when Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles was putting them in that situation and you slide Deshaun Watson in there. If you have to give up Khalil Mack, fine. If you have to give up Kyle Fuller, fine. I saw trades potentially with Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson. I have all the confidence in the world. You could still draft their replacements in the next draft or the next draft after that, because like you said, Ross, you might have a down year, but you get Deshaun Watson in his, you know, mid twenties at this point. He's still got 10 good years ahead of him, at least you would think, barring any ridiculous setbacks, knock on wood here. But it it makes a lot of sense to try to swing for the fences if you're the Bears or any of these other teams. But like you said, it's ultimately up to Deshaun Watson, who forced all this trade talk in the first place. And where he goes is anyone's guess, and we we will have to monitor it throughout this offseason. It's an offense driven league, it's a QB driven league. Four teams are left tomorrow. They all have elite quarterbacks playing. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was one throw away from a Super Bowl win. He missed the throw. Pat Mahomes makes the throw to Tyree. It's it, you need a quarterback out on the field to to if you want to sustain success year after year in the NFL these days. You definitely need a quarterback, and Deshaun Watson is that guy. So outside of Deshaun Watson, we are in the offseason for the Chicago Bears. And Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have been retained, the head coach and the general manager, which is what we expected in our last podcast. And Chuck Pagano has retired, the defensive coordinator, after a pretty solid career and, and all the credit to Chucky. But now there's a new face at defensive coordinator. I want your thoughts on this, Ross. Sean Desai, who's a Temple alum, he was named defensive coordinator just recently uh, from the safeties coach, and he was quality control assistant, whatever. He was here in the Mark Tressman years, and he's seen you know, a couple coaches come through at this point. And he was Vic Fangio's right-hand man, from what I've heard here, and a, a guy who's a student of the game. You look at guys like Lewis Riddick and, and quarterbacks and every analyst out there who I have looked up to see what their thoughts are on Sean Desai. They're all rooting for this guy, and certainly within the Bears organization. Um, former Bear Sam Acho put it really well. I think all these guys on the defense are really ready for a breath of fresh air when Chuck Pagano is kind of old school. And certainly Vic Fangio was, you know, this defense wasn't the best, but they were still good. They want to elevate them to be that top five defense where they're ball hawking defense, forcing takeaways, um, and just putting a hurting on these teams. Sean Desai, I think, fits the mold there, and I, I, the defense is really excited. Are you excited for it? 
I am excited for it. Look, he's a 37 year old guy, very young guys and relate to his football players. Um, breath of fresh air. Uh, you hit it on the head student of Vic Fangio. Fangio has tried to pull him away from the bears. Um, when he took that Denver job, um, he's very highly regarded around the league, around the organization. Um, he's the first coordinator of Indian descent. So that is amazing. Shout out to him. Yeah. Guy, um, is, uh, he, he went to Boston university. Uh, he, he uh, yeah, has a PhD from Columbia. Um, just a very smart guy. I think from a football standpoint, we just talked about it's a quarterback driven league. And I think the people, a lot of people make the misconception that you have to beat quarterbacks or beat offenses on defense from the defensive line uh, to the linebackers. And it's actually on the back end these days. You're going to have to cover the football on the back end and you're going to have to get aggressive and be like the Bears wore on the Vic Fangio, which was get takeaways. And Desai understands that and recognizes that. And, you, you know, you notice on the Pagano, you saw some down years from guys like Eddie Jackson and Kyle Fuller. And the side is going to put those guys in a better position to be the playmakers that they are. He's going to play a lot more cover fours. He's going to play a lot more cover six, allowing those guys to be rangy, uh, play more over the top, and and cut off anything over the top. So, you know, case in point, you look at that last game against um, uh, the Packers that the Bears had, Aaron Rodgers, and he has, uh, you know, Valdez, uh, Valdez Scanley running down the field with, with Danny Trevathan covering him. That doesn't happen under the side defense. That's Eddie Jackson's zone right there. And it goes back to that no fly zone, so to speak. And that's how Khalil Mack racks up the sacks and, and the forced fumbles is if you can't throw the football downfield, then you're holding on to that football and you can't hold on to it for more than two or three seconds with Khalil Mack coming off the edge. So I, I think that he's going to solidify the back end. I think a guy like Jalen Johnson is going to uh, reap the benefits from him. I bring back Gibson. Uh, and still draft the safety because I thought Gibson had a great season. He had a great playoff game against the Saints. Yeah. Um, and I think Eddie Jackson gets back to being himself. And I, I think it's exciting. I also think Roquan Smith uh, becomes a, a better cover linebacker too. He kind of um, can can play that Brian Urlacher a little bit where Brian Urlacher would just sprint down the field right after the snap. And all of a sudden he's 15, 20 yards down the field covering the football. I, I think it's going to be uh, better days ahead for the Bears defense. Um and just shout out to them, to the organization too, for for again pulling the trigger on a a a non retread, right? A, a, yeah. a, a not a not another old white guy. Um, it's a young uh, uh, minority who is given a shot. And look, I mean, the guy has he can have success, and we can see a, a head coach maybe in the making one day. Absolutely, yeah. I think the future is pretty bright for Sean Desai, and and if the personnel stays in place, I think that you know what. Matt Nagy was to this offense and and to this team as a young head coach getting getting into that position for the Bears. You could say the same with Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator position. So kudos to him. Let, let's see what happens on the field um, in twenty twenty one here. And Ross, let's move on from football to basketball. And the Bulls are getting no love. I'm, I'm seeing nothing but. Hornets highlights here, even though they lost by 13 to the Chicago Bulls. I'm seeing all these Lamella Ball highlights where he's missing fucking dunks. Like, come on, man, give the Bulls some credit here. You've seen Zach Levine play so well throughout this season. Um, a guy who, in the offseason around the league, they were talking about potentially trading Zach Levine for 
you know, another superstar or something like that. And all these young guys around him, Kobe White had a good game. Laurie Markkinen, three games in, he's averaging over 20 points. That's that's pretty good. I'd like to see some more rebounds from Laurie. But uh, this team is, is as advertised, where they're young and a little more exciting than you thought. Uh, as Ross pointed out, in that Hornets game, you don't really wish, miss Wendell Carter. Um, you hope that the Bulls can, I don't know about this year, but at some point, have a nice core in place and then attract one of these free agents, a scorer. I don't know if it's a Bradley Beal or, or someone else out there uh, whose names are floating around that you can get to support this cast and provide some leadership and, and have some experience in addition to this young um, energy that, that, that these these young bulls have. And they're, they've been fun to watch, over, at least over this last three-game winning streak and even in the losses. They're very fun to watch. Uh, coaching matters a great deal. They are top five in the league in scoring. Um, they are sharing the ball better than ever. They had they had their fourth game last night where they had 30-plus assists. Um, Zach Levine is an efficient scorer. Kobe White um, had another good game yesterday. He had 18 points, eight assists. Laurie Markin, as you said, has been shooting the basketball very, very well. Um, they're fun. They're missing that superstar. That's the thing is, yeah. you know, they're hovering around 500 right now. It's crazy. The East is crazy right now because the Bulls are in the ninth seed right now. And I know it's early, but they're only three games back of the one seed. So everybody's all jumbled up together. There is no dominant team in the East right now. Um, you know, Brooklyn hasn't been able to put it together with all their new pieces. Kevin Durant didn't play last night. They lost to Cleveland again uh, for the second time this week. Um, Boston lost again last night to the Philadelphia 76ers. They're missing Jason Tatum right now. This kind of condensed season is really just, it's just weird. You know, we don't know who's good or who's not good, but at least the Bulls are fun. We'll see what they do tonight. They got the Lakers tonight. They're nine point underdogs, but they're at home. Um, And those are kind of games that like you just feel questionable about, And you know, like this is a fun team that, um, is on the rise, but they're just missing that big, big piece. And now it's up to Karnaschovas and, and Mark Eversley to see if they can either draft that big piece or uh, acquire that big piece somehow, some way. Um, but the, the, the conversation, you know, it's fun to see Zach Levine ascending to a top 20 basketball player. He should make the all-star team this year. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Bulls do with him because he is on the contract for one more year. But at the rate he's going, you're going to have to max him out. And right. do you want to max out a guy like Zach Levine, um, you know, which will take up your cap space? You're going to pay him like a number one. Do you think he's number one? Or, or are you going to trade him for assets to maybe find your superstar in the draft or, or attract another disgruntled uh, superstar? As we see every six months, these guys pop up. Yeah. Might be Damian Lillard. Soon, as um, CJ McCollum's out for indefinite period, he's got a, a toe, a, a foot issue. Um, you mentioned Bradley Beal, who I am a, a huge fan of, but um, Beal and Levine seem pretty redundant to me. Um, sure. You know, it's do you swing for the fences? Do you, do you say you know maybe it doesn't work out with the, the Clippers this year and Kawhi Leonard wants to leave? There's just so much up in the air. Uh, in the NBA, even Victor Oladipo, who's traded to Houston, will be a free agent at this at the end of this season. Um, and if Victor uh, puts together a nice run in Houston, uh, he's going to command some top dollars too. Um, but I'm enjoying watching um, competent Bulls basketball again, and I think that's a credit to Billy Donovan, uh, Maurice Cheeks, and their staff, and also uh, you know Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley 
and their player development staff. And, and, and now we want to see those young guys keep developing. Zach, Kobe, Lowry. Um, and then we want to see Pat Williams continue to get better, the, the young rookie. Um, shoot, one more shout-out to Curtis Chauvitz, too, and obviously the Bulls have one of the best benches in the league, and it's a bench full of veterans. And the Garrett Temple signing, they're paying Garrett Temple $4.5 million a year. That guy has been outstanding, and he right. came from the Brooklyn Nets. You can't tell me Brooklyn it was like, man, we wish we still had this guy on our team right sure, now. Sure. He's been outstanding. He's been lights off from three. He's playing good defense. He's very efficient on the floor. The Bulls are getting great, um, you know, stuff out of that. He's young. Uh, Thomas Sadoransky, uh, Otto Porter Jr., who, who, you know, guys like that. And it's going to be interesting to see as they get closer to the trade deadline, do they cash in some of these veterans who are playing well on contenders for first-round draft picks? And that's where I think Bulls fans are going to get upset because you have to realize this team is not – a championship contender, you still have to think big picture. I am 100% all in on trading those veteran bench players for first round picks if you can get it. The more first round picks that you can accumulate, that's the more ammo that you have to eventually find yourself a star. I think they need, I still think they need a star point guard because I think Kobe White is a better off guard player. Yeah, you're seeing that the Bulls are, are more competitive than they have been to recent memory, and you're seeing the process that Karnasovas and and this front office has in place, and and you're seeing their process behind the scenes and how they put it on the floor now. And Bulls have been competitive this whole season. They've lost a close games. You look to uh, a game against the Thunder where they went into overtime, where they were up by 10 and they lost that, which was ridiculous. And then close game against the Lakers. They play the Lakers again. Um, this evening, but then the three games in a row where they're winning, um, something I feel like we, we haven't said about the Bulls in a, in a long time here, but it goes back to that young core and it goes back to the coaching of Billy Donovan too. I feel like that, that he has not been getting a lot of credit for that too. The bench is certainly uh, fun to watch as well, spelling these young guys. Like you, you don't know what you're going to get with Zach Levine in the future here. You hope that this is a sign of things to come because I root for Zach Levine. I love a guy who can do it all, who can dunk, and and he's assisting as much as he is scoring. Same with Kobe White. You see um, the forwards performing well to, um, to, to spell the backcourt as well. And now it's a question of are they marketable enough to get that free agent a disgruntled one, whether it be a Damian Lillard or, or whoever else is out there, maybe Kawhi after this year, and and can they continue to build and, and get this team back to being competitive again? In the rest of the NBA, you're looking at Brooklyn, who uh, did a lot to, well, certainly James Harden himself did a lot to get out of Houston and force himself over to Brooklyn and then just drop 20 pounds overnight. And he is, uh, I guess, stopped frequent, frequenting the buffets at the strip clubs in Houston, for sure. And now you see how Brooklyn certainly was vaulted to the top of, of the Eastern Conference, you know, projected rankings and finishing like, oh, just give it to him now. We're going to see a Nets and Lakers finals. But certainly without Kevin Durant, you... you you can't see how great this team will be without them. But now they come off two straight losses to Cleveland. It's going to take a little while to adjust, especially with Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, ball-dominant guys, playing out there right now. And I think outside of Brooklyn, you look at 
Philadelphia and how the process is still very much alive and how well they've been playing. Uh, you look in the Western Conference, and of course, you, you see that LeBron and company have not skipped a beat, and the Lakers are right there on top with the Clippers, and Clippers have also not skipped a beat, and how they're just blowing out teams repeatedly. But in the East, it's like you said, Ross, there's a bunch of nine and six, eight and six teams out there right now. It's so close. No one's separating themselves. And I get it. The Bucks have played the Nets and they play the Lakers and they've split games with them. And we've had some good basketball early on here. Uh, the Pacers are nine and six, but Philadelphia looks like a clear cut uh, favorite for one of those top Eastern conference spots. Obviously it's early on here, but what else have you noticed in the early going of the NBA season? Yeah. I just think that everybody's like still struggling to find their footing a little bit. It's like, it's an awkward start. Um, a lot of teams, a lot of these teams just came out of the bubble, so they didn't really get much of an off season. So a lot of guys are resting on certain nights. So I just think that everybody's taking their time right now to find to get themselves into a groove. I think we're not going to know who's really, really good in the NBA until probably end of March, heading into April. Um, until the unless, except for the Lakers, we know the Lakers are really, really good. Um, but you know, it's like can the Clippers um, realistically contend with the Lakers? Um, will the Brooklyn thing work out? I, I like I like Durant and Harden together. I don't like Durant, Harden, Kyrie together because that yeah. is a lot of ball dominant, ball sticking. I watched the end of that Cleveland game they had the other night, and it was just like taking turns up and down the court, playing iso ball. And, you know, you got my guy Joe Harris standing in the corner. He's making $75 million over four years. And he can't even get the basketball. And that's just not how you do things. And, and when I watched him the other night with Harden and Durant, it was a lot better ball movement. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can work that out. Steve Steve Nash, who's a rookie coach, has got his work cut out for him. Um, I hear you on the Philly thing. I, I think Philly uh, has looked good. I am president of the Ben Simmons fan club. Um, I think the guy's a walking triple-double every single night. I think he could be a 25-point-a-game scorer if he wanted to. I think he just chooses not to. And Embiid has, has looked a lot better this year. And, and then when I look at um, Giannis and the Bucks, I, I always see them losing games to the top, the top echelon teams. Yep. And it's like, at what point does that have to like, I know he just signed his deal, so he's not going anywhere. But at what point does that, does that have to frustrate him when he's like, I can't, I can't beat these bigger teams. I can't beat these Nets. I can't beat these Lakers. How am I going to win a ring if I can't beat these guys even in a regular season game? So, but I do think it's early. We have a lot of time. And eventually, about three or four of these teams around the league are going to be able to separate themselves from everybody else, probably within the next like 45 to 60 days. Yeah, Bucks got to get aggressive, though. They're, they're wasting Giannis's prime years. You got to get a Brad Beal or a Damian Lillard or someone else out there who wants a trade. You got to compete with the Nets now, too, who just got three of the top five players in the league or three of the top 10 players, however you rank them at this point, got to get really aggressive. I get they've lost these close games, but, uh, but come on here. Mm-hmm. All right, Ross, quick hits time. Let's do it. Connor McGregor back in the octagon against some dude named Dustin. Poirier. He knocked out Poirier. Oh, your French is so nice to hear, Ross. Uh, does he win by knockout? Does he win, period? He's, he's helped promote dude's hot sauce. And it's nice to see that this Conor McGregor, he's a little older, a little wiser. 
you know, he certainly puts on a show. But God, it's so funny when he talks too. That Irish accent is so damn thick. It's like, oh, if you'll, oh, if you'll promote proper, I'll hold your hot sauce. It's that was more Lucky Charms than Connor. But anyways, do you do you see him winning by knockout? Yeah, he's gonna win by knockout tonight. I know the fight's on ESPN Plus. I'll I'll check into it, but I'm not really overly excited about this. Um, it's been a lot cooler though that they've been doing the fight island thing throughout the whole week. They they've been having like fights at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's just really weird because everybody's just on this island fighting. It's like Mortal Kombat. Fight Island um, is great. <laughs> fight Island is awesome. Great idea by Dana White and his team. Um, I I fully expect Connor to win, even though this is his first time stepping into the octagon in over a year. Um, and, and we'll see. I, the guy's kind of probably at a crossroads right now in his career because, you know, I, I feel like MMA has dipped down a little bit from its popularity. I know it's still widely popular, but it doesn't have those big names anymore. Like John Jones isn't fighting every six months. We've lost the Ronda Rousey's and even going back to like the Chuck Liddell's or, or, or Tito Ortiz and stuff like that. So uh, they need Conor McGregor to be that star again, but he's not the star that was throwing chairs onto buses and stuff like that right because he got arrested <laughs> for doing that kind of stuff he's yeah. he got a couple kids now he, he's a lot more tempered and that just means that he has to go out there and like physically knock somebody out to to get the buzz back so i i think he's gonna look for that first round ko and uh we'll see if poria can hang on that's right no divorce for cuddy and cavallari they're getting back together true love does exist absolutely who would have thought a couple so couple anti-vaxxers would, would, <laughs> would say no shot at a divorce. Mm, yeah. After uh, Cuddy, I guess, got his, his time away. Now uh, they're, they're reigniting it and probably re-signing some deal with E. Probably, I was going to say, it's probably, it's probably <laughs> more lucrative for both of them to stick around. Oh, yeah. It's like, like, like an old 60s song once said, it's, it's cheaper to keep her. Cheaper to keep her. Oh, look at that, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that Ashanti Keisha Cole versus looked like some kind of bullshit. I, I was not a fan. I know they're trying to do more R&B than just strictly hip hop, but also they were like sitting down the whole time. Like, no, come yeah. on. I need some energy. They're just sitting in their yeah. thrones. Yes. Uh, and I get they're like celebrating each other, but it's a versus. Come on. Yeah. Shout out to both ladies. I'm a fan of both of their catalogs. Sure. Uh, but they needed to be in the room together for that, for my opinion. And, um, you know, Keisha, you, you can't show up an hour late to, to something that is like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's indoors, but you didn't have to go to the club or anything like that. that. That threw me off. It was on a Thursday night too, which to me, the vibe wasn't quite right with that. If anything, I would have saved that for like Valentine's Day or just even like a Saturday night. Um, but I do love both of the catalogs. I, I took Ashanti in a slight edge in that battle. If they were doing a battle, I think Shanti, I love Keisha's catalog, but I think Shanti just had the bigger hits. And now a new president has uh, already been inaugurated with Joseph Biden. Joseph R. Biden is there. He he wore Rolex at the inauguration. Ooh, the Rolex. Oh, yeah. Some people got upset, even though Donald Trump goes to 45 golf courses at Mar-a-Lago. The the double standard is always ridiculous. Yeah, it's dumb. shout Shout out to Joe. Shout out to Joe for pushing ahead on this uh, on this vaccine front right sure. now. Let's get it out there. My mother's getting her first dose today. Oh, great. My wife, my wife got both of her doses, and uh, I, I can't wait to get mine. And, and you know, we, we might be able to, to actually get a summer again, which yeah. would be nice to go outside. Shout out to Chicago for getting back to Tier 1 mitigations today. Um, so people are going to be able to go back to indoor dining at 25%, stay safe out there. Right. Um, 
you know, so hopefully we're, we're, we're in the back nine of this, this pandemic and we're hopefully able to get out of it soon. And I think that the Biden administration is going to do everything that, that they can to, to get us out of this. And that's the most important thing right now, as is getting people uh, the rest of their $2,000 and you know, unemployment is extended. Sure. And uh, I think, like you said, it's nice that on a local standpoint that we'll be at 25% capacity in tier one and be able to reopen for indoor dining and save some of these restaurants and bars that desperately need it. Keep in mind, r- restaurants um, that have bar service, bars strictly that don't serve food are, are still out, you know, and the cold in this one, so to speak. But uh, yeah, I mean, you still got to be safe out there. Our usual PSA, wear your, your goddamn mask and, and don't be... Don't be dumb about this with larger gatherings and with the new president in this inauguration. Of course, you saw Gaga there and J-Lo and performances by John Legend. It was a celebration. But the best, uh, but the best. Yeah. But the best thing of all was Bernie Sanders getting memed repeatedly, just sitting in the cold in his folding chair with his mittens on. And he's popping up in Star Wars and popping up in, in The Wire and all over Chicago. It's pretty amazing. There's some great awesome. ge- great memes out there. Internet is always undefeated. Shout out to Bernie Sanders always. who put the meme on a sweatshirt, yep. sold it for Stays $40, right. and then donated all the proceeds to uh, Food Center, I believe it was, Food Banks in Vermont. So, yep. again, he, he is a, a true legend, and we need to... to to relish in the era that is Bernie Sanders while we still have him. Absolutely. A couple legends passed away in their 80s. Hank Aaron, the home run king. This is before steroids and before Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and all these guys. Uh, 755 home runs, second place to Barry Bonds. And let's not trash Barry Bonds throughout this, by the way. Let's just celebrate Hank Aaron's career and how – he was able to, one of those guys who was breaking the color barrier and a 25-time All-Star. He won a World Series. Just really everything you could ever want to do as a baseball player. The the home run king, a Braves legend, uh, an Atlanta legend, you know, and 86 years, lived a really nice long life. You heard stories in in his passing, how he was just so gracious with interviews and how uh, you know, he was able to mentor a lot of younger hitters ahead of him too. these guys who would go on to to challenge his records. And just a guy who, again, who, who was playing uh, before the steroids era and just to belt out 755 home runs like that alone is so impressive. His his whole career, super impressive and how he advocated um, outside of the game as well. Just a really great career, Hammer and Hank, and uh, cer- certainly will be missed. Absolutely. True and, legend. I love Hank here. And another legend who was who seemed like a thousand years old, who did not age as well as Hank Aaron to me, but Larry King, man. Larry King, 86 or 87 years old, excuse me. Larry King has passed away, one of the greatest of all times, of all time, to concerns, you know, in concerns to his interviews and broadcasting and how he was able to do what he did for over 60 years. It's estimated he did 50,000 interviews. The guy was a staple of CNN for so many years and just so hilarious in such a, in a recognizable voice. And he would interview everybody from, 
you know, B-list celebrities to diplomats to presidents and such a great catalog of his interviews. And the guy was tough as nails, just New York tough, who had had like a quintuple bypass back in the the 80s or 90s. And he had had coronavirus most recently. He had like had a brush with cancer. Uh, The guy was was certainly incredible and a legend of broadcasting. He was a legend. He was that was back when, you know, you had to watch his show every night and he had anybody from like uh, Scott Peterson on or or, uh, or, or like O.J. Simpson to uh, Rob Lowe or or, or Beyonce or, or mm-hmm. like, you know, Princess Diana. He talked to every single person that was uh, famous or infamous or was hot in the moment. And uh, he didn't hold back. And, and it was a lot of fun. That's when um, that was kind of the rise of CNN before it got um, all the way political like it is right now where, right. where they still kind of like had some of that gray area a little bit. And, and um, yeah, the guy was a legend. And, and you know, it just sucks that a piece of shit like Piers Morgan <laughs> tried to take over his show uh, <laughs> a- afterwards. But, right. uh, yeah, Larry King was was fantastic. Uh, married about four or five times to so always a, a woman in, 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 his, in her 40s. And, you know, that's how he liked it. And, you know, rest in peace to him. Absolutely. To him and Hank Aaron, two legends. Tune in next time and we'll get Ross's thoughts on WandaVision and how he doesn't understand it. I, I don't think anybody understands it. And if they're, if they do that, they're completely lying, but I've seen all three episodes so far. <laughs> Good stuff. Play us out, Bill. I don't know what that means to play us out. What does that mean to end the show? Yeah. Yeah. All right, go, go. Thanks to everybody for listening in on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. Remember to follow us on social media. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. Remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend for the podcast as well. Hit the follow button repeatedly. We already gave our predictions for these last couple games of January football. Should be a good one. Everybody be safe out there, please. Real quick, too. Shout out Amorpheus. Uh, if you follow him on Twitter, it is I. Uh, I am a Morpheus. Uh, he's got the number one song right now in the country, the, the Fat Joe song. Uh, Morpheus takes uh, old songs and he mixes them together. He mixed a Luther Vandross song with a Rihanna song. Nice. Fat Joe and DJ Khaled heard it, oh bought the beat from him. Oh boy. And now this young man went from making uh, making mixers in his basement to now he's got the number one song in the country. Oh, man. That's Go check amazing. him out on, on Twitter. It's a, it's, a, it's a great story. We'll do it. For now, we say deuces, Chicago and beyond. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody.